Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to AFL Nation. Gary Owen wins it after the siren with a dead-eye shot. Where are you, buddy? There he is! <laughs> he juggles the mark at the front. Ball to Springer, the magic man. He's done it again. Jake Springer, the everywhere man. He sets the chance to get through. Bontempelli! Simply the bot! Gives it to Gord. Willie from 55. <laughs> he will. He can. He does. He gave it to Dusty. Martin. Goal. Tigers in front. At the final bell, it's a grand new flag. 57 years of torment eased. And a curse lifted. Melbourne Premiers in 2021. AFL Nation. With four to play, it starts to get serious. You want to be tuning up. You want your credentials intact. Fremantle have been the young team on the rise. Winter has taken a toll. Melbourne, well, they're a matter of trust at the moment. Not the team they looked like at 10-0 and zero when they first ran into Frio, so it is rather perfect that they meet again to start round 20 in Perth. It is the Dockers and the Demons on AFL Nation. Our Coats Hire commentary team in place tonight. Jared Waitley with you. Anthony Hudson is with me. Hello, hello. Uh, hello, Jared. Good evening, everyone. It's um, it's great to, <laughs> great to be with you on this Friday night. Just got a couple of little technical things here, Jared. Uh, but, it yeah, it is... I just can't wait for. I, I can't believe where we are. To be honest, I cannot believe we are where we are, Jared. In the in the run to the finals that we've reached round twenty, and with so many pivotal matches coming up over the weekend, and trying to work out what's going to happen tonight. And, and I suppose overarching of all that is just where where this Melbourne team is at is going to be fascinating with all the backdrop of re-signings and non-re-signings going into tonight. We are in great hands uh, on the old bull, young bull front tonight, Jared Healy. Good evening. I take it I'm the old ball, Jared. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah, it's a beauty tonight. And uh, further to what Hutto said about um, it's just going to be interesting to see what Melbourne produce. I'm just as baffled by Fremantle. Six, seven weeks ago, I thought Fremantle were genuinely in the premiership race. Tonight, we probably find out whether that's still the case. Their midfield's been bashed the last two or three weeks. Collectively, I think they probably haven't put in as bad a month for 18 months. Um, maybe it's only three weeks. They've lost their dare off the half-back line. They can't transition the ball. They can't score. So, you know, they fell across the line with, what was it last week, six goals. Um, they won't get the job done against Melbourne if they kick six goals. So I'm hoping tonight they get their dare back because they're going to have to if um, they're to beat Melbourne, who I suspect. I mean, they're not going that bad. They're going nowhere near as well as they can. But uh, with the exception of pressure, where they're right down the bottom and one or two other elements... They're still playing pretty good football, and we know they've got another lever to or another gear to go up. Can they find that gear? That's their challenge. Nathan Jones is our young bull. Nathan, welcome. Thanks, Jared. Yeah, it's good to be here. I'm, uh, I'm intrigued with tonight's game. It's uh, it shapes to be a big one, I think, uh, for both sides. There's a a lot to consider and a lot to uh, a lot to prove at this point of the year. I, I agree with. Uh, the old Bulls sentiments really on both teams. It's uh, and I think that you know all of those uh, I guess side stories make for a, a really interesting game. So, what is your read on Melbourne, Jonesy? 
Oh, I don't think they're going as bad as what people think. I think the competition, you know, I guess right now my uh, opinion would be Geelong's the number one team in the comp. Um, I think just from a fundamentally across all phases of the game, they look the most solid, informed side. You, know, you dive into some of the statistics around Melbourne, I think there's still a lot to like about what they're doing. Um, but it's not at the level of last year. I think they set such an, a high bar. And, you know, obviously when you're the, the number one team, everyone's sort of trying to break you down as much as possible. And, you know, I think we're, we we tend to look back and compare to what they produced. Um, yeah, they're, they're not as dominant as they were last year, but they're still, uh, you know, a top two side. That's where it sits for me. If they lose tonight, they might be out of the top four. Mm, yeah, if they lose sixth. tonight, that's it's. I think all of a sudden it's a reread. It's, I guess it's how they lose tonight. I mean, Fremantle just may pay out of their skins. But um, I wonder, Jonesy, if going back to where they won the premiership has any psychological impact as well. Oh, I think it would. Uh, like obviously, there'd be no fears. I think it would generate such a you know you know excitement, yep. a real energy amongst the team. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, from the time I was there, you treated, you know, uh, interstate games as the chance to regroup. Um, and if you were good enough and we really utilized that as a, as a team to, I guess, galvanize. And right now that's exactly what they need after, after mm. last week's result and, uh, and probably their last probably four or five weeks of form. So, um, yeah, I think, it, I think it shapes as a great opportunity for them to, I guess, uh, reset in some capacity and, and, and fire on all cylinders. Like, I think the best footy I've seen them play for the year was the Brisbane game. Yep. I think that's the level we're all looking for from a consistency point of view. And you know, I think if they play at that level, I, I, find, I see it hard for teams to beat them. The question is, you know, can they produce that consistently over the next month leading into finals. And that's the point. You only have to be the best side in September, as Lee Matthews keeps reminding. It's not the best side uh, in the, the first part of the year, which is the major part of the year. What I find interesting is there's two elements to this. There's how Melbourne are playing, and then there's how everybody else is playing against Melbourne. And everybody's had a good look. They've been the, you know, they've been the kingpins for a long time now. And just looking at the numbers over the, the last uh, half dozen weeks, everybody seems to be crossing the ground a lot more against Melbourne. They're the highest crossed side in the competition. And everybody knows that Melbourne like to play on a third of the ground and just keep it going up and down in a straight line, and yet they've been prevented from from doing that. So when I look at Fremantle, they laboriously cross the, the ground. So they when they're at their best, they cross the ground and they went fast. Well, now in the last four or five weeks, they've crossed the ground and gone slow. And really, really slow. And they've lost their mojo in the forward line. So I'll be interested to see how how much they transfer. And just to give it some, I guess, uh, a number on it. At the moment, Melbourne are being crossed against 27% of the time. The next most is Western Bulldogs at 20%. So it's a significant amount. You go down the ladder and there's people only getting crossed 15% of the time. So a lot of people are working at Melbourne... We've got a cross at A to probably go around Max Gorn and B to try and, you know, switch their defence, etc. And it's probably having an impact. So there's 
there's tactics working against Melbourne, yeah. but there's also Melbourne itself well, not playing the uh, same way. Yeah, and that's exactly that, that's the fascinating part for me. There's that element that is that you are the defending premiers, yeah. and teams have now had more than twelve months to work out how you're playing. And and I think that was part of the Richmond charm is that people kind of knew what they were doing, but didn't really know how to play it and didn't really work it out conclusively um, for quite a while. So, so that's the Michael Jordan theory. I can tell you how we're playing, yeah, but, but you've got to try and beat us. Exactly. And then there's the other, there's the psychological element of, of being the defending premiers as yeah. well. And, you know, Kingy showed some vision during the week. You know, maybe they're not quite as manic in the way they defend. So how much is how much is one and how much is the other that's having the influence? And, and that leads to the thing to me is if they can get their back to their defensive best, that the elements that made them so good last year, and their midfield is still unbelievable yeah. and maybe not quite playing at the level, but all the talent is Pretty there. Pretty close. Um, then they've just got to get their forward line to an acceptable level, which is the other thing they haven't been able to really quite do yet. The forward line will get better when their pressure gets better. Everybody, everybody thinks pressure is about defence, but pressure is also about scores. And right now they've dropped from number one last year. I think they're at 14 at the present time, which is a, it's like falling off a cliff for mm. a premier's. And if they aren't going to win then that small forward line has got to get to work, not in just in kicking goals, Jonesy, but uh, but distru- disrupting the opposition's ball movement, getting it in. I mean, pe- people talk about their forwards as if, you know, it's Jason Dunstall and Dermot Brereton down there. I mean, they've been pillars. They've been people who have just been targets, get the ball on the deck, a bit like Hawthorne played for a fair period of time, get it on the deck for Cyril and Puopolo. And it hasn't worked so far. Yeah, no, I think my biggest concern is, the, the defence of the forwards. Um, and you, you mentioned teams wanting to switch and trying to switch. And I think what what I sort of see at the minute is the balance is a little bit out and how vital those forwards are to mm. get up the ground and slow the opposition down because they're trying to set, Melbourne want to send teams down the line to keep it in a contest, keep most of their players in play. But then also the forwards to read the cues and, and sort of squeeze back out when teams are trying to sort of fan and open the ground on them and take away those switch options. And I don't think they've got that balance right at the minute and teams are able to, you know, Melbourne sends them to one side and slows them down. But then they're easily able to sort of find one, maybe two kicks and they open the ground back up and all of a sudden they're, they're back in open space and having to defend in open field, which is not the way Melbourne wants the game to look, which mm. you listen to Goody's comments after the game last week, you know, they, they just didn't get the game looking how Melbourne want the game to look for long enough. And I was there and after half time, it was almost, the dogs were always seemed to be in open field and being able to play quickly. Yep. Melbourne couldn't get any sort of you know, rein in on, on slowing any of their ball movement. That, so that was almost a step in the language too, wasn't it, for Goody, to admit to that? Yeah, for sure. And that's very much, I'd heard that before, you know, that was, it's a very uh, sort of internal review kind of chat and he's been completely honest and uh, and I found that really intriguing and I think that sort of adds to tonight, you know, Freo uh, kind of in the last particularly four to five or six weeks are notoriously slow you know, they're very much a kick-mark team, which plays into the hands of Melbourne, whereas when they beat them early in the year, I was at that game as well, they they were, they were got the ball in motion really mm. quickly, got through. And uh, and you can see what teams are trying to do against Melbourne. They want to switch and open the play up, which disrupts their grid formation and obviously forces those guys deep, Lees, uh, Levers and Mays, yep. to have to run and spread and defend the ground. 
And uh, and at the minute, more often than not, particularly in the last month, teams have been successful with it. It was the moment the season changed, wasn't it? Really, half time in that game, Fremantle yep. Melbourne last time, and I, I was changed for Griffin Logue too. Well, yeah, I was well early in the game. It changed a bit, didn't it? When uh, when May got injured, but got concussed. But I was doing that game, and at half time, I still we were just sort of um, as we crossed to the others hosting, just kind of like, oh well, this is just another win to Melbourne. They've just turned it on. This yep. season's getting. Couldn't have been more wrong as to what was to come. But ultimately, it could still come back to Melbourne being the dominant team. But it's so open at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Let's go to Griffin Logue. That day, he played well in the forward line. And I've seen him play his best footy so far this year. Or Fremantle's best footy so far is when he's been in the forward line. Now, I know he's had a couple of really big jobs, one on Jeremy Cameron as a defender. And he can play both ends of the ground. But for him to play well, they need to move the ball fast. He is a bloke who reads it well. So he distrib- you, you think he's more than he still looks um, fair enough because he's only played the handful. He still looks to me that he's a makeshift forward. He's a he's a defender playing there. You think he's more than I that? I think it can be more than that. Yeah, but he, they have to play to his strengths, okay. which I think if it is their strengths. If they play slow, they're not in the premiership race. They play quick, I think they can uh, upset it. They've got to make maybe a choice where they go three tools um, or two tools. And depending on who they play against, maybe Logue is a swingman. But, gee, I love him up in that forward line distributing with his hands. And it was the little guys that day as well. I reckon they've missed Suskowski since they he's have. been out of the team as well. So that's they've had this sort of uh, horde of, of little guys, but uh, they've missed him since he's been absent. It was interesting that they left Banfield out mm. of tonight on that front with Lobb coming back mm. is one of their absolute strengths They have that they've moved away from by their own choice. Yeah. After Kane put Banfield on the list of players yeah, to go and yeah, get. very gettable. Well, I think he's right, Kane. I think that Banfield is a really good player, and Brayshaw is the sort of guy you'd play him on. Brayshaw is having a fantastic season across the half-back line, and Banfield has gone as a stopper onto Sinclair and various other, Bailey Dale, and kicked goals on them. And uh, he seems to be the first guy out, which is unusual, but um, it's a role that I'm not sure who plays next time. But they're going in slightly smaller in the forward line, and it it'll be interesting to see how it all falls unfolds. Were you pleased to see Angus Brayshaw resign? Oh, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm super tight with Gussie. Almost, uh, you know, I treat him like my little brother, to be honest. Um, so I'd, I'd been I'd been chatting to him over the last probably five six weeks at different stages, and uh, yeah, he texts me earlier this week and said I've locked it in and uh you know I was wrapped with uh, wrapped for him and um you know I think he's got all the potential to be future captain material and I think it was the right decision you know I could probably justify if he was to leave and go to Freo play with his brother and and you'd hope that Melbourne win the premiership this year but I think ultimately in the end there's there'd be so much that he's leaving behind if he was to leave and uh and as I said you know I think his future is so bright at Melbourne, um, you know, with his leadership qualities and, you know, he's standing amongst the group. I think he he will have a long and illustrious career there and he's a vital cog in terms of, you know, obviously their success in the short term and uh, I think so, sort of sustaining their culture in the long term. Jared? I think it's the right decision for him. I, you know, it's a, it's a no winner if, uh, sorry, it's a no lose if you go and play with your brother. I can see that. And he may go and if Fremantle don't win the flag this year, be part of being the best, the first. And th- that's a, an historic move. And But it's a big if. Um, but I see him as uh, part and parcel of this, you know, premiership group that are trying to 
make an historic second grand final in a row and win two or win three or win four. Who knows how, how far this group can go. But when you've locked in Gorn and Oliver and Petrarca and, and, and Brayshaw and you've got half a dozen others out there that are, you know, absolute guns, um, I shouldn't miss Viney, but I mean, he's going to be a long-term Melbourne player. I mean, the, the the premiership is always in contention for the foreseeable future for this group, and, and I'd be, I would have been... Sh- would have been disappointed if he had have left simply because I think he would have regretted it. Is six years okay? Do we think that's okay? I imagine six years gives the capacity to smooth yeah. money. You would you, think you give, so. You give yeah. longevity rather than the, the biggest dollars that might have been available. So, But it is. It, there, there is a calculated risk in anything beyond four Particularly years, with concussion. I, I mean, concussion's the biggest issue. When I was playing, it was, oh, what about if you do your knee? But now it's really concussion. Most mm. There's very few people now not play the game because of a musculoskeletal injury. Yeah, I mean, and obviously he has had his concussion, but at least that's a number of years ago, isn't it? So fingers crossed it'll be fine. So is he destined to live his days on the halfback flank? <laughs> yes, that's a good question. <laughs> well, and did that come into how much would that should that come into your consideration perhaps? I don't think in the short term. Um, I think his role this year is is at half back. That's I think that's been proven as far as you know where the teams landed, guys coming in and out. He's he's been a mainstay there, and I think that's his role for the this season. Um, you know, I would assume he would have had that discussion. There's no doubt. I reckon he would. Uh, you know, he'd have the personal drive to want to get in the midfield and prove himself in that capacity. But he's such a team player, and as I mentioned, all of his you know, leadership qualities. He's got, you've got to weigh up, you know, both things, and it's uh, you know you've in the end you play the role that's best for the team if that means you're going to be a part of success. And did, did you ever work out why he because he was third in the Brownlow that year, and then his midfield form dropped off, and obviously Melbourne's form dropped off. It was hard to work out which came first. But do you ever work out why that happened? Oh, uh, not really. I think it's. Um, it's probably a reflection of how poorly the team was going. Really, I don't think anyone had a, a year that um, uh, <clears throat> that probably warranted a guaranteed spot. And I think they they looked at the strengths of the team overall, and and the, I guess the dynamic of that midfield group. And I think the perspective was that we'd go with. And I don't even think at that time Petrarca had solidified his spot in there either. You no. know, I guess Oliver was the mainstay. Christian sort of played forward mid and. Angus was, you know, a little bit all over the place. We were probably trying to find a role for him. But, um, you know, I think that was a reflection of the maturity of the group. And uh, I guess as we gained more experience and guys started to really find their position and we worked out what, you know, where players' strengths fit amongst how we were going to operate as a team and as a club, you know, he found himself obviously last year in a premiership team playing on the wing and now this year just through necessity, uh, through injury with Christian Salem and the like, you know, he finds himself at half back, but in the end, I think you got to look at that positively because his versatility. Ultimately, he's he's he could potentially be an All Australian half back this year. He was outstanding last year in the grand final on the wing, one of our probably better players. And you know, he we've already seen what he's capable of as a midfielder. The irony is, a he hated the wing, and he was comparing the wing to the midfield. Now, the irony is, he played so well through the finals on the wing. <laughs> But now he's playing on the half-back line, and the comparison between the half-back line and the midfield is not as great as playing in death corner, which is on the wing. So <laughs> I think uh, I think the the position is a furphy in many respects because he could go to Fremantle 
and you know there's an issue there with somebody, and he has to go to the half back line anyway. I mean, you, we've seen that no, happen before. There's no guarantees yeah. in footy with your, your position. Jeremy Howe Jeremy with the Collingwood yeah. as the centre half forward. He was only going if he was played centre half <laughs> forward, and he ends up uh, as a gun centre half back. The other element tonight is there'll be plenty of purple eyes that are watching Luke Jackson and what uh, yep. is starting to be assumed there. And I wonder what that brings out of Sean Darcy, who ain't no mug. No, he's not. But Sean Darcy, I mean, Sean Darcy right now would be an All-Australian ruck contention. Would have to be. Was last year, won the best and fairest, and he's having another brilliant year in all facets of ruck work. And Luke Jackson, I'm not sure he's going over there to be second ruck. He's going over there to be, sorry, he's not going over there to be necessarily first ruck. He's going over there probably to be second ruck and uh, play forward. Lloyd Meek is the interesting one. I'm surprised they haven't played Lloyd Meek more. If I'm uh, out there looking for ruck, I'm chasing Lloyd Meek because Lloyd Meek is gettable if um, if uh, young Jackson goes back to Fremantle. Um, but, gee, it's going to be interesting just to see them go head-to-head and I reckon a few people will test him and uh, he'll want to know, he'll, he'll want to put on a show. He's, he's back there and whether or not he stays at Melbourne is still, I think, very much in dispute. I think people have him gone. I don't think that's uh, the case. I might be wrong. He might be gone, but... Um, Could there, is there enough dough for him now, though, do you think? Well, he might get a 10-year contract, Otto, and you, <laughs> can, just, uh, you can just average yeah, it out over a period over. of time. <laughs> I think uh, I'm intrigued by it for sure. I said uh, last week on, on this show in the pregame that I don't necessarily, from my personal perspective, think it's necessarily the right decision. Um, you know, I, I look at it both from a pre, uh, Fremantle sort of list perspective... And I look at it from, you know, his opportunity at Melbourne and where he's at in his career and um, what he could potentially mm. grow into and his age and experience and all those kind of things. Uh, you know, I guess m- me being a passionate Melbourne man, I'd love to just see him stay there. And uh, But, you know, that aside... West Coast's a better fit in terms of position, isn't it? But not so much where they are in terms of the ladder. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think the interesting one for mine is if he's going to Frio to play more as a forward... I don't know. Like his best footy's been played when he's on the ball. Yeah, when he's a ruckman and he plays that ruck sort of mid role. Yeah, yeah. And they've got Darcy already as the number one ruck, so he essentially goes over there and plays the same role he's playing at Melbourne right now, mm. with a whole heap more pressure of a huge contract and uh, this great amount of expectation at what twenty twenty one years old. And we're seeing what the game has done to guys with that sort of pressure. And I, I don't know, I just would hate to see him go over there and not live up to his potential. Whereas I feel at Melbourne with all the opportunities got to develop and continue to develop and play in finals and prem, potential premierships. How have you rode it this year? Jacko? Yeah. Up and down. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I sort of look at that number and think, man, that's a, that's a lot. whether or not that's accurate. Uh, so we're talking around a million bucks. Is that what the market is saying? I think it's interesting given Grundy is in the news as well. Seven by one million dollars. Salary caps with sides on the up, um, they're hard if you've got a bloke earning a million dollars. And if he's not yet in your best three, four or five players, they've already got five on one plus. Um, I mean, Brayshaw's going to be... Demanding he, big he, he may be a Brownlow medalist at the end of this season. Uh, they've got two or three other youngsters coming through. They've got, they've got a whole heap of young players that are going to want more money. And if you, once you've got X amount of blokes on a million dollars, it's tough for salary cap. Yeah, that's my point from a Frio perspective as well, Lockie. I totally agree with you. 
he want to be your best player on a million dollars. Well, exactly. And at twenty one, he's played. He's play, he's been able to essentially be shielded in some mm. respects underneath the stature of an elite midfield group, and obviously Max, the best ruckman of the last however many years, and play this sort of you know ruck, second ruck hybrid forward midfield role when he's just been able to grow and develop. You go over there, two-team town, one of the most highly, uh, you know, I guess the exposed trades with, you know, a huge amount of expectation and obviously being paid a lot of money. It's a a whole different kettle of fish. So I want to revisit this right at the end of the night, but just tell me how everyone's feeling. How decisive will tonight be in your opinion of these two teams in the premiership? Race. I'm probably fairly decisive from a Frio perspective. I, I sort of think I know where Melbourne are at because we've seen Melbourne's best. I'm assuming we're going to see it again at some stage. Whether or not they've put enough mental energy in to sustain them through a tight first final and then probably second final and then ultimately third final, only time will tell. I mean, so many times you see sides get back on track and yet the footy gods get them down the track because they just haven't invested enough through the season. But they are, talent-wise, you know, they are a significantly talented side that may not even have to be at their absolute best to get the job done, depending on who they're playing against. For Fremantle, though, they're in a bigger hole than Melbourne. They, they, they're miles off their best and have been for a few weeks, even though they probably should have won last week. People said Richmond were unlucky. Yes, they were, but in the first 15 minutes of that last quarter, they dominated the forward 50s. They should have had a two or three goal spread on the Tigers, and yet they just couldn't get the ball through the goal. So I think uh, from a – I mean, Fremantle can't win it if they're, in my view, if they're outside of the top four. Um, so it's pretty big for them. All right, that sets us up for what's to come on Friday night. Our Coats Hire commentary team, Coats, we're more than hire, we're equipped or anything. All the topics of the week are Where's Clark going, Jared? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and we'll touch base with both the Dockers and the Demons in the lead-up to the opening siren. This is the AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles $25,000 advertising giveaway. Icanwin.com.au You're listening to the 2022 Premiership season on AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles. Hybrid flooring in store now. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.